Misses Quite Like, a podcast. Well, hello, podcasters, and welcome to episode 11 of Quite Like, a podcast with me, Rory Forbes, and him, Tim Dedman. A little bit of a, an unusual introduction to uh, this episode. We're going to be taking you to a new location, which is Tim's Man Cave, also known as his garage. Um, but unfortunately, we had some random, unsuspecting, unsuspected and unwelcome technical gremlins. Uh, I think a combination of wild southwesterly winds, a active freezer and a, a very active smart meter caused substantial interference on our original recording. Um, now, we could have done a re-record of the podcast, um, but we decided there's some very important raw personal content that was definitely worth sharing. So we've uh, applied a technique with some um, atmospheric backing tracks to hopefully remove the annoyance of much of the clicking and popping uh, that hopefully you won't hear really any of in, in this in this podcast. So we've got some backing tracks that, you know, hide all that, but are also hopefully atmospheric supportive to the to the conversation and fundamentally non-invasive. Um, it's all in the mix, as somebody once said. So we're going to start, well, you're going to join our, our recording in Tim's Man Cave, um, where we're in a bit of a reflective mood um, as we start embarking upon this conversation, really considering the meaning of life, the universe and everything. The answer is definitely not 42 in this case. Um, it also sounds a little bit like the seven ages of man, we, but we do feel it was important to share uh, this, you know, kind of one take conversation, um, despite the gremlins. So please do stick with Tim and I, and uh, I'll hand over myself to get the podcast underway. Thanks for listening. Um, you know, what's the purpose of life, family, why are we here, what are we doing it for, um, why are we doing it? We've been doing a lot of kind of finishing up around the house and garden, much of which isn't quite finished, but is nearly finished. So then you start to turn your mind to, well, what am I going to do with the time I have back now that paint brushes will be put down and hammers will be laid to the dusty recesses of the shed for till the next emergency job? Um, uh, you know, what's it going to be doing? What am I going to be doing? Spending my time? Am I going to be reading more? Um, am I going to be listening to more music? Um, uh, or will I be given a to-do list of things to get on with um, from my wonderful other half? Thoughts? It's been a time of reflection, as you say. Sort of, as you say, some weighing up, some addition. And I guess we're both at that sort of time where, you know, we've had a good bash at middle age and whilst we're not old we're kind of just moving towards the next segment um so yeah i i think i think some reflection and some you know time to make some good resolutions and so forth um and you know this is this is kind of leading into me having a um, an event uh, two weeks ago tomorrow, tomorrow yeah. so uh, the 22nd of june i think when unfortunately um I had a heart attack uh, on our living room carpet. So I'm, in a way, lucky to be here. And we thought perhaps as a first little segment, uh, Rory would just ask me a few questions um, 
about the story rather than me droning on interminably for hours and hours and hours developing set piece stories which all my family have heard and have now even given up every pretense of finding amusing and are just sort of yawning and going back to their books Tim don't forget you are the backbone of this podcaster um, so n- n- never diminish the power of a, a heavily structured story of a well turned <laughs> anecdote yes and there's been a bit of time for that sort of reflection yeah, absolutely yeah so so um we're going to be a little bit introspective, but we hope um, you know we'll, we'll make it interesting for you. And as we talk, quite about some quite personal things um, uh, that, that have have been happening in, in our world. So, um, without further ado, let's crack on. So, whoever said um, making podcasts was stressful? Um, as we just alluded to, Tim, virtually two weeks ago, the morning after um, we had put to bed episode 10 of our uh, quite like a podcast um tim had caused to i think in the first instance ring your wife for some advice you were at home ella was out at work and you had some peculiar feelings sensations and uh, this this is the start of this this tale i, uh, I often feel like that when ella's not around <laughs> some peculiar sensations uh, I, I got up and felt a little under the weather a bit like i had indigestion um i did my morning chores I, I it was a thursday so i stripped the bed put the washing on and subsequently hung the washing out unloaded the dishwasher and still felt mm, a bit of indigestion then started feeling dizzy and sweating so things were clearly not good I sat outside on the patio a couple of yards from here and it was one of those where you could see yourself sweating through your clothes so clearly abnormal and I sort of pondered this for a few minutes and I had to pay a visit to the loo and I decided I thought I'll phone Ella who has got medical skills and on the description she said ambulance phone now yes I'll come home so I did, and she and the ambulance arrived 15 minutes later, which was fortuitous. Mm. And, and when you talk about the temperature, what, what, probably in, we're all used to indigestion. Well, first, first of all, we're all used to sort of uh, mid-50s, late-50s, early-60s kind of routines and so on. And I've smiled inwardly to myself saying it was Thursday, so I changed the bed. You know, life has become a series of... Um, mundane repet- repetitious well that's all the bed gets messy on a Wednesday <laughs> so, oh, okay that means you so, so in, indigestion is something that's not out of the ordinary for any of us but it must have been the kind of the fever the sweats that was the trigger in your brain to say I, I need to get some advice I, felt, I also felt dizzy and I think it was the three things together so I <laughs> I wasn't particularly thinking heart attack mm. but I was fit, I, th- I was thinking this is distinctly odd mm, yeah. um one bit of background many of you will know that i'm diabetic and diabetes attacks the nerve ends neuropathy and the theory is that in diabetics heart attacks are often felt more mildly simply because the nerve internal nerve endings are damaged of your organs so you can't actually feel it mm. so <laughs> it's a mercy in a way but equally it has its own own, own risks this is a piece of information perhaps most diabetics only find out after a situation this has occurred it's not something you're briefed on to so I've, I've done 
ton of reading. I've been on the classes and so forth, and I go to my appointments. And this was something that had never come up, mm. but it's kind of a, it's a n- niche. It's, yeah, it's yeah. a niche one, but it, yeah. but it is, yeah. it is something. And talking to several people in the family who've been through the same thing, they all had kind of thunderclap experiences, lightning striking their yeah, chests. Yeah, yeah. Somebody hit me with a sledgehammer, but yeah. you know, I, I was wandering around and debilitated. But you know, kind of, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah, and it was getting worse. So when when you make the call, or you're told to make the call to you know call in, you know the emergency services to to come and assess you and take care of you, you're probably wrestling with that sense of I don't want to waste anyone's time. You know, um, uh, I'm not really that ill. You know, I just need to have a disprin or a paracetamol and a, and a lie down. But what what was the the reaction of the ambulance crew when they when they turned up? I mean, how do you think yeah. they found you? So they do a checklist on the call, I guess, just to check that it is probably something serious. So they clearly escalated it quickly, which was great. Um, they arrived at the same time as Ella, mm-hmm. so she brought them in. Um, they immediately put you on an electrocardiograph um, machine, portable one, and... The machine that goes ping? Uh, I don't think it does go ping. So this is more measuring what's happening in your heart rather than just sort of mon- monitoring it. And I, so keeping it brief, I had an odd double effect. So it was doing a double crest. So at, full, at first they thought it might be just a serious arrhythmia yeah. or a blockage. And the relevance of this is that I, I left the house with them going to the local hospital with Ella thinking that it, it was something that might require a pacemaker or one of these where they sort of stop and start it to correct the rhythm. Sure. So, and I mean, I think throughout this, it's worth making the point that actually the person left behind, in this case, my wife Ella, actually suffers more <laughs> mental sort of agony and trauma because they're not in control, they're out of the communication loop. And, you know, you, i.e. me, has got professionals looking after you to the nth degree and she was left on her own with a with a mad spaniel yes you're kind of the subject of all that attention and you, you probably go into some kind of um semi semi cathartic state where you're there's nothing else you can possibly do in the world because you're in the best hands you can possibly be but your partner your yes. person of mind as you say is left with a mind either empty of what's happening or full of what's happening when bad things are happening and you've got in a vacuum you tend to populate it with the worst thing whereas if it's happening to you i mean the way my mind works is you sort of set little targets and you know you you're listening to everything and i'm it, it sounds odd because i wasn't suffering terrible pain i was kind of interested in the process and how it worked and what was happening and i like meeting meeting people so i quite you know i quite enjoyed is the stupid thing to say but I, I found the thing quite interesting and engaging and it was almost out of body it was almost, it was almost like observing and thinking well that's interesting I mean there was a point one of the observations was that I had to have four different sets of electrodes on my body because none of the systems so the we'll come on to but the system on the Isle of Wight the hospital system the system on the Portsmouth ambulance and the, the system in the cath lab don't work together so they had to reattach everything hang on let me get a calendar out what, what year is this it, it, it's just it, it's because they don't buy centrally they buy locally so they've all bought slightly different systems and even even the hospital ones don't so I think it depends which ambulance you're in. 
So, are you in the brand new ambulance or are you in the 30 year old that's yes. been brought out of mothballs? I was in a very efficient and effective yeah, series yeah, of ambulances. It's not critical, it's just more an observation. Yeah, absolutely. Of this is not intended to be a bash any one of our emergency services. If my former boss out there in um, National Grid Leanland is listening, I was, I was having visions of you, Ian, thinking, well, there's a process improvement they could make. <laughs> so, you're on your way. To hospital, Ella's left here. You know, yes. um, you know, obviously panicking and yes. worried, very upset, and probably starting to ring around people to let them know what was happening. But you're in the ambulance, and um, you ride over to Newport to St Mary's. Um, was that straightforward, eventful? You, so, you were strapped up to these different. Yeah, regimes. I mean, it was blue lights, and mm. they obviously only really put them on if they blocked. So sure. we whizzed through a few sets of traffic lights around Newport, but How it exciting. was ever so quickly. Yeah, but yeah, you know, yeah. I. Th- yeah, I. So my first, we're going to talk about luck in a, in a while. But the first bit of luck was the, the ambulance being able to come enormously quickly. The second bit of luck was when I arrived. The cardiac team from Portsmouth have a kind of reciprocal arrangement on the island, and two days a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays, two of the consultants come over and do a shift at St Mary's, and they were in the cardiac unit, probably on their rounds or maybe having a cup of coffee, but mm. sitting there waiting for something exciting to happen. So. Because I came, I came in, they saw me immediately and said, Portsmouth now. I went through the process far faster than if it had had to be referred electronically to the expert team in Portsmouth or Southampton and a decision made because they were there. It and this meant, is all happening in your earshot, kind of thing. You're aware that totally, these so, so I didn't have any, apart from blood thinning medication, I didn't have any pain medication of any kind at any point. Because you're not necessarily in pain, you're just still feeling well, this. Well, you know, they get, you get asked to give a pain assessment and what, the ambulance crew give you some blood thinners immediately and the sprays under the tongue. Mm-hmm. And so that helped. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they sort of got it in, in industrial, they had the morphine ready, but there was just no need for it. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, you know, I never had any of those those things, which I think is fortunate because it aids your recovery. Mm-hmm. It's like if you don't have anaesthetic, you, you get better quicker. Mm-hmm. So you're you're aware of everything that's going on around you, the, yes. the, the medical interventions, the, logis- totally. the logistical planning that's going so on. So in the in the hospital, the sister said, "Would you like us to let your wife?" And I said, "Yes, please." She said, "The easiest way is if you've got your phone, is to for you to dial." Now I I couldn't quite coordinate to swipe my phone, home. so did it. She dialed it, and then she chatted, and I chatted, so we were able to update Ella at least. And by then, they decided that it was a heart attack. So initially, there was a sense that it wasn't. There was a sense that what they were getting an odd reading, and they weren't sure. Yeah. But once they put me onto a bigger machine with expert, so you know, this was two paramedics saving my life. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, the, uh, but then it, this is two consultants having a look at it and saying, well, because they see thousands, millions in their yeah, lifetime, yeah. Yeah, they could make a more, ac- yeah. more accurate yeah, assessment. Yeah. So one, one assumes thereafter, from the moment the, the cardio specialists say Portsmouth now, your feet don't touch the ground. One of the unique things about this island service, the hovercraft service, is that it's a dedicated hovercraft ambulance, effectively. It is. So it, it's one that's seen service in the past. It's probably... If we're on Mark Three now, this is Mark Two. Mm-hmm. It's slightly smaller, and they've kitted it out so that it's very easy to bolt in a, a sort of a hospital stretcher bed. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and the crew, the um, ambulance crew love it because they get to ride over to Portsmouth. Some extra people turn up so they can come on the ride that you've never <laughs> seen before. The, the, my favourite bit is that when you're on, you have to get off of the stretcher, so they have to slide you off so that they can put you in your own life raft. No. Yes. So imagine the sort of thing that you and I used to float with our kids, not your posh things, but imagine your basic dinghy yeah. that you'd buy on. So you, yeah, basically yeah. you put into one of those and then put back onto the stretcher. And the idea is if the hovercraft sinks, you're left floating, having a heart attack to be run over by a cruise liner as the rest of them drown, you know, in the inky waters of the Solon. <laughs> I suppose this is risk assessments. You know, what could possibly go wrong now? Well, yes, yeah, yeah. but... I'm not sure. That's amazing. Yes. Yeah. So I had my own Lilo. <laughs> a rescue Lilo. <laughs> Just I don't in know case. If it had yeah. like a red cross on the side or <laughs> shipping beware. What was the inflate surface like? Mm-hmm. Well, there was no, they didn't throw nuts at you like Delta do, and there were no <laughs> drinks. But it, yeah, it, it was fine. I wasn't in any pain. It was yeah. a novel experience. And I'd never been on the hovercraft, I don't think. And what, what it was, it was like a bumpy. I've been on the red jet a lot and sometimes when it's choppy that gets a bit bumpy the hovercraft was like that because I guess you're much more physically in touch with the water and yeah. it was a calm day but it was you know five, yeah, you're wave tops 15 minutes if that probably yeah, less yeah yeah and I wonder if they go faster because they're kind of in this blue light situation or if they go slowly to make sure they don't cause you any ill effects during transit I think they go at their maximum optimum yeah. speed so that it doesn't become dangerous yeah, yeah. but because I was in no pain and, you know, I think yeah. like, time was clearly of the essence yeah, yeah. and as the big the higher ups had said Portsmouth now well, so not yeah. Portsmouth in an hour but, Portsmouth you now, know, yeah. the hat goes off to the obviously I mean all the medical people just goes without saying yeah. but the other people like so the hovercraft company in that are not they get paid for it but you yeah. know it's a brilliant service and then White Link coming back at the yeah. um, other end of the process who yeah. were enormously cooperative helpful to Ella flexible um, put me in you know, part next to the lift yeah. or everything so you before we get to the end of the process you're you're whisked across the Solent by hovercraft personal private hovercraft you arrive at the South Sea hoverport and presumably transferred to another ambulance so you, you, you transfer and you're handed over to the Portsmouth ambulance service more to, pads to yeah. more pads different yeah. <laughs> um, you know yeah, and it was fascinating because I was talking to the um crew on the way over and one of the three crew was a um, student who was doing a degree and this was part of the practical and then when we handed over to Portsmouth um, there was similarly uh, a student on the, on the on the team of three and I, th- I think there was 11 ambulance staff involved seven of which were women so all of the island was women and on the on the mainland side it was men so we're clearly ahead of the game yeah yeah when, yeah, it, when it comes to gender equality diversity and inclusivity yes, yes indeed, in, indeed. Uh, excellent well the island's ahead in the mainland in so many ways but that's a, a good one to add to the list uh, for yes sure. yeah so um race through Portsmouth now this is presumably getting towards lunchtime um, yes so by the time you're there I late morning think I got to the Portsmouth hospital at about one o'clock ish maybe half past 12 half 12 to one um so we, we seem i it's actually on the inland part of portsmouth so you know once you're on the other side of the a3 m27 and not far from the road but you know the other side and this is the queen alexandra hospital big modern partly building site as most hospitals mm. are um 
you know, superb in every way. Can't, can't yeah, speak too yeah. highly of it. So you go round to the back where they have an admissions, and basically you go into the lift, and then you out into the. So this is the bit that my Ian Balfour, if you're listening, would approve of. The process regarding the cardiac floor was just beyond the approach. So you into the lift, you're out, and you then have the three. I think they call them C labs, cath lab, which is where they perform these procedures. So it's like a an operating theatre, but it also is specifically kitted out for heart work. And, and this is, is cath catheters? Is it like an insert? I don't know. Pro- probably, mm. I yeah. would guess. We'll investigate that. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, and they knew I was coming. They were having their lunch. So as I was pushed by, there was eight or nine of them sitting in the mess room, just finishing off their lunch. And um, there was some comment about, we've been waiting for you. <laughs> You kept us waiting. You know, oh, there Mr. Was some, I was some, expecting it. Yes, yeah, <laughs> some banter. But as I say, I was, I was in a fairly happy, mm. happy, wrong word, fairly, I was okay. Content. I, I wasn't mm-hmm. un, unhappy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, so, so you're wheeled in, transferred onto the equivalent of an operating table, and it, it, it looks like a cross between an operating theatre and an X-ray facility. Mm-hmm. So... Lots of advanced kit, lots of shielding, so some people wouldn't be um, obviously damaged by x-rays and so forth. And then, you know, basically they, they sort of they strap you down, but you, you're kind of comfortable. And then you have to present your up arm, in my case my right arm, and your groin. The, the procedure's done through your wrist if possible, and they have the groin ready just in case. And fortunately they didn't. Um, and you sort of clamp onto a handhold and then your your arms sort of loosely tethered so it's in the right position so you grip this thing and so and you're conscious through all this yeah. so uh, no 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 medication or pain relief other than blood thinners mm. uh, well and, and then other other stuff so yeah so so you know and the consultants there are chatting to you and explaining what they're going to do because you have you can't really sign consent forms so you, you give verbal consent and it's an um, emergency scenario yeah yeah absolutely and um they then the first thing they do is get some dye in through your vein um more lots more blood thinners lots of other medication but he said no 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 pain relief because they want you as conscious as they can apparently um so they put some and that's when they can start to find out what is actually the problem so i mean for anyone interested i had a 98 percent blockage of the main coronary artery right just where it joins the heart and what happens when your artery ruptures the um, blood clots which then forms a clot which prevents the flow of blood back to the heart dizziness etc that's the heart attack is the lack of that is that is the the interesting thing to know I mean may not be interesting is (laughs) that because I'm diabetic I have um Things like uh, cholesterol checks, blood pressure checks, you know, full body workup checks every six months, and none of this got picked up. So my blood pressure is, you know, as normal as most people of 61 walking down the street. So I'm typically about 124 over 67 mm-hmm. to 70. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and normal. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know, my cholesterol I think last time was between 3.8 and 4 so low but mm. you know and, and this is i mean I, I don't want to preach or be messagey but the one thing i'd say is so i, I you know, chatted to the consultant over the next few days and um said you know since i've been diagnosed diabetic we've been pretty healthy i mean mm-hmm. i said you know 
like a drink, don't smoke. But, you know, Occasional food, food breakfast. Yeah, mm. yeah, absolutely. Mm. Well, I was, I was, you're fairly honest by this stage. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't even halving alcohol consumption. I was trying to, you know. And he said, ah, Mr. Deadman, he said, it's not the last five years, it's the previous 50. And um, so it's a slow build up. So it was happening when, you know, yeah, it starts yeah. when you're 18 and yeah, yeah. You know, when you're 25 and when you're 32. Oh, goodness and me. When you, well... <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Matthew's keeping chance of um, uh, keeping record of my swearing on these. So Matt, I was fucked. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, indeed, yeah. It's a, an interesting way of looking at it. But I suppose the fact that we are, you know, in that situation because of lifestyle choices taken over many decades, it's good that there is a way of alleviating those symptoms in that emergency situation. Yeah. I'm, I'm equally, again, coming back to luck, there's every chance that you miss the symptoms. No, I'm a chronic optimist. <laughs> so, we, I mean, we, this does become about luck because I was lucky that I was in my own home. Mm-hmm. I was lucky that I could use the telephone. Yeah. So, frequently people can't use the phone. Ella wouldn't have been home till about 12 o'clock. Mm-hmm. This was happening from about half eight-ish. Um, I was lucky that the ambulance service had capacity to send to me enormously quickly. Because if you listen to a lot of the news, you know, you're talking 7, 8, 10, 12, 16 hour waits plus in certain situations in certain cities. So clearly I would have been probably a category one, but I would still have been, you know, potentially all those hours. So Mm -hmm. I'd have been dead, Mm -hmm. no doubt. Yeah, yeah. Because they got blood thinners in quickly, a quick diagnosis and a reference to one of the most advanced ones in the country. Yeah, yeah. Could have been Southampton, Sam, but sorry, yeah, one yeah. hill to Pompey. <laughs> um, you know, uh, multiply lucky. Yeah, yeah. And that the guys, because they, they were men in this case, happened to be sitting there in the um, in the unit at the right moment. We're having their lunch. Well, no, 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 the two oh, consultants who were at St Mary's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, understand. So what did they do to you in Portsmouth? What was the kind of the, the treatment, just to finish off this section? Yeah, then we should take a break. Um, so once they put the dye in and they can visualise what the problem is, they then decide what the solution mm-hmm. is. So you've got a consultant and a trainee doctor working together. So the consultant is watching this and so he'll say to the doctor, what do you think this is? And the doctor will say, well, I think this is a this, 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 and we need to do that. And he said, right, get, get on and do it. So in my case, it was, you have to clear the blockage um, and then they insert a stent um, and it's you have to work out what size of stent um, where you can place it, mm-hmm. and you're then into a bit of really a bit of left hand down a bit, right hand oh, up wow. a bit, it's, yeah. you know, back a bit, yeah. and all of that sort of stuff. There were two unpleasant bits in the whole thing. When I first got on the stretcher in the living room, I passed out because I said I thought I could stand up because I had been standing up, but I'd been lying down by that stage probably for about half an hour, yeah. 20 minutes, whatever. I stood up, and when I got laid down on the stretcher, I passed out and I came to, they had the paddles on my chest. So so basically my blood pressure, I think, dropped to, I think it was 30 beats per minute. I mean, cyclists, I know have very, but I'm not a cyclist, mine's normally, those, those divers, mine's normally 66. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I came round and Ella said it was about you know, 30 seconds to a minute. And then the other scary, the most scary bit was when they cleared the clot, however they do that, it has to disperse and the same thing happens. And I went down to 20 and I, and I said to, he said, just, he said, you know, at any point, you, you know, you're feeling uncomfortable. And I said, uncomfortable. <laughs> and he said, you just cleared the clot, 30 seconds, it will be fine. Your blood pressure's dropped 
to 20. It will go back up. Yes, yeah. and it did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, sorry, 20 beats. Sure, sure, sure. So, yeah. but, but, that, but that was that was the sweats and that, that was yeah. a moment when you're thinking, this is not good. Yeah. But it passed very, very yeah. quickly. Mm-hmm. And then the stent didn't feel a thing. Mm. You know, they were doing something, but, you know, other than you could feel activity on your arm, mm. it, it, was, it was absolutely... The fact that they're deep inside your heart and through feel, your heart feel at that point. Yeah, that's couldn't great. Couldn't feel a yeah. thing. It was so clever. So clever. Should we take a brief break? Well, let's take a brief break there, yeah. So, Tim, you're, you're now all stented up. Bionic man um, emerging from the operating theatre or the cath theatre into um, presumably some kind of intensive care recovery uh, situation. So they have a, a kind of a three-stage process. So once you're out of there, you go into the cardiac intensive care CCU type place where, you know, it's pretty much 24-hour surveillance. And in the short term, you've got somebody with you for you for the first few hours monitoring your recovery. Mm. Individual rooms, really, really, really nice. Uh, didn't like the view, but hey. Um, you've got an ensuite as well, but you're have to stay horizontal for 24 hours so it's you know peeing in a bottle and stuff mm. but again I, I feel i didn't feel bad so within you know within an hour well no i think pretty much immediately i was able to text ella mm-hmm. and say look i'm out the other side this is what they've done i'm feeling good and mm. try and be light-hearted yes sir. and i think i put something on facebook by the end of that evening yes and i i, I, I was able to read a book i'd minimal thing so I'd gone in the clothes that I which was my usual wear for island day life which was a pair of shorts a t-shirt and a pair of socks and luckily we threw in a pair of slippers at the last second and my inverted commas man bag which had I think some very unuseful things in it um, but it also had uh, Ella put my phone charger in I think she put a book in um, there was some uh, dry skin cream which was useful and but, but there was no sense of packing so I had no toiletries I had no change of clothes and mm-hmm. nothing like that Toothpaste, toothbrush and no, 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 none of that at all we're, we're, but I, could, I couldn't use anything for 24 hours anyway course, yeah. so it you're, really, you're just like you say horizontal you're, you're lying there the victim you know, I, I the guess subject. if something's going to go wrong yeah. if it hasn't gone wrong by that stage those 24 hours yeah. now they had a lull on Friday was quiet so mm-hmm. I was able to stay in that room on my own till the early hours of Saturday and then things went bonkers first thing Saturday and I think they had they were working Saturday but they had eight admissions so all of the people that they'd wanted to get off at the waiting list just ended up staying in over the weekend which didn't because there was one of the things the, th- the third level of second level of the process is you go into a ward with four other people and you get high level of care and you're still plumbed into the ECG and so forth but it's a, it's a step down you can unplug yourself you can yeah. have a shower you can use the toilet you can walk within the ward so you know they're beginning to get you on the move but I, I did I, I moved in there I think at about 4:30 a.m. Um, and then by tea time they'd had such a busy day that I got shunted into the day ward which is the final area which is holding area for people I think who are recovering okay but need another couple of days Mm -hmm. because there's obviously a a timeline that you have to stay in for and also but mainly people who are in for kind of elective day surgery um, but they're, they're in this sort of loop of hell because one there was one person who'd come in on the Tuesday to be done on the Tuesday but was still there we were still there when I came out on the Monday, the Monday, the Monday. Mm. 
I mean, they brought you know their, their situation. They brought their bag, but they brought an overnight bag just in case. And because there's a hierarchy of emergence, so they obviously they do the critical mm, ones. The life saving. But if there's a lot of those in the Greater Portsmouth area, these mm. people are just stuck there, and mm-hmm. um, you know, feeling as they felt at home, but not being able to do anything. And, and presumably they leave them there because there may be a. At any moment in time, there may be a window uh, and the, the capacity suddenly and becomes available. And by Monday afternoon, that started to happen. But they had so they, they don't work Sunday because everyone needs a day off. And but they came in to do an extra shift on Saturday. But that got took up with mm. emergencies. I wonder. I, I used to work for a software house that specialised in hospital, so acute hospital staff rostering, and and it was all about can you model the likely, as they call the phrase, acuity, what is likely to be the demand on service. Therefore, how many staff do you need to have on on a Monday night, Tuesday night, Friday night, Saturday night? So I, I wonder if there's an increase, we'll have to get data for this, to, if, you know, just to assuage your interest. Is there a day of the week when these things accelerate? Maybe it's a Friday night, Saturday morning because of nights out. So I, I, asked, I asked the question because mm. I was interested in that and they said the biggest indicator is weather, right. um, hot days and cold days. Wow. And that it was fairly warm, it was warm, warm and, and I think probably in the run up to the weekend I think probably does have another one. The problem is when you model these things you, you come out with averages and means and stuff and actually it's about topping and tailing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Plus, you then add in that you haven't got enough people in the first place, mm-hmm. so you're always going to struggle mm-hmm. with the peaks. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, you, I, my sense was they could cope with the peaks, mm-hmm. but it means that the backlog, yeah. you, you never solve the backlog. You, you have a tale of people who are not in a life-threatening situation, but, but they need something doing. There's a life-enhancing opportunity for them, but that, yes. that is deprioritised, perhaps rightly, but, so you save a life or lives. Um, but. You know, does that just mean we need more resources? And I was heartened to hear that in almost every context that you were in, in the story from home to Queen Alexandra's, that there was a trainee involved, certainly on the, the hospital elements of things, if not also in the ambulances. Yeah, I mean, in the, in, the, in the critical unit, the guy who was on the night duty, I think was from the Philippines, he was completing his final year at Portsmouth University in nursing for his degree, and he had to go off, he see, they finished their morning, the night shift at 8 a.m., it's 12 hour shifts, and he had to go in for a 10 o'clock exam. They, I mean, they, they do. I think I'm not sure if it's 40 or 48 hour working week, on top of the university course. On top. Oh yeah. So he uh, was in his final year. Yeah. This is a subject, perhaps for another day, when we, we can we can revisit some of these elements. You know, as 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 your progress improves. But why medical professionals have to be put through ringers? Here's uh, here's another one. The two ward cleaners because they're fanatical about cleaning because of infection they're fanatical about cleaning as they should the two cleaners on I want to say Sunday um, were both nurses one was a paediatric nurse and the other was I think orthopaedic and you know part of their their job is actually to chat to the patients so that they have some contact and because they're nurses they're clearly much more capable and Mm -hmm. they can help out and do blood pressures and things Mm -hmm. but you know I said why are you doing it and they said well we're into the habit they're short staff and it won't get done Um, we we also need the money yeah so everybody kind of wins in a in a very flaky well, except, for their, except for their families yeah, exactly. and so forth because you know, they'll have yeah. probably done their own 48 hour weeks yeah, or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah indeed so 
here we are, sat in your man cave. Two yes. Weeks, two weeks on virtually. Yes. Um, any sort of great conclusions that you draw at this stage? Any any advice for the rest of us out there sitting comfortably on a, getting out of bed on a Thursday morning? I ate some Bombay mix on the way back from yours after doing the podcast in the car on Wednesday, so I kind of attribute it to that. Um, I didn't eat that much. Don't, don't I, mean, I, was just, I was just a bit peckish. So. <laughs> um, hospital food was much better than people hmm? make oh, out. Right, yeah. So every meal, there was a choice, the main meals, you had a choice of like three or four hot dishes. And whilst it wasn't gourmet cooking, and one or two refused to eat it and, you know, went downstairs to buy stuff from the shops if they could walk. Um, I think that was grossly unfair and, you know, I like my food. That mm. there, there was nothing wrong with it and given that we weren't doing any exercise, it was fine. It was sufficient to keep so, going, yeah. so I really would say for the hospital, well well done. You get a lot of stick and it's just not yeah. true. Just what, not true. What was the wing list like? Was it a... <laughs> well, you joke about that. What there was was no consideration about medical conditions. So, you know, as a diabetic, so I think each day I had 13 biscuit opportunities. <laughs> so and they, because, because they're trying to get you back up and about and yeah. strong, part of me thinks, well, actually they're saying it, it doesn't really matter too much. Eating something and getting going is more important. Yeah, when you're not burning as many but, calories. You know, when you've got a ward full of diabetics, <laughs> and the guy next to me, his diabetic scores were, were bad. And when he left, he opened his drawer and he'd got about 15 packets of biscuits in there. He goes, I've been building up a bit of a supply because I quite like the odd picky. And I'm thinking, and there's me, me turning them down. Well, I, th- I think I brought two home and I think we had one on the, well, Ellen and I had one on the boat and we had one the other night playing a game where we had one bourbon each as a treat. And he's got this, the bottom of his cupboard wouldn't fall over because it's full of, full of biscuits. It's, it's like, you know, pr- prisons having um, tobacco as a current. Well, many of them smoke. Yeah, all right. So, I thought, well, at least for the last few years, we've tried to do the right. You you don't. It's got to be like. So, I think if I let me say one thing. So, whatever interventions you do have got to be lifestyle supportable. Yes. So, I like a drink. Fairly well known fact. At the moment, we're experimenting with drinking the, the approved number of units a week or less. And as Ella said, it's not a target that you have to drink the units, but don't go over the units. And also, you have to have two dry consecutive days a week. So yesterday and Monday, we, I didn't have any anything at all, at all. Last week, I think I had about nine units, but first week back. So, but you know, that, that will be my personal challenge, is to reduce it. What was interesting was that I'd always, with the diabetes, they say, white wine is better than red wine less sugar now with heart condition they much prefer you to drink red wine mm-hmm. so, so tannin yes which is and a black chocolates and yeah, coffee yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah, so yeah. a few little conflicts but what you come up with for your own lifestyle changes have to be sustainable so you know would it be a good idea to give up all meat probably but actually we're going to try and have less meat but better meat mm. so you know island sauce stuff maybe a bit more expensive we can manage that but only if you have it two or three times a week rather than four or five yeah. the economy probably balances out yeah. any, yeah. anyway yeah. 
Um, mm. I've never really had a greatly sweet tooth. That's so not too much of a problem. More fruit, more veg. Mm. Um, and exercise-wise, we're, we're pretty good. Yeah. So I'm building up to that at the yeah. moment. So well, you, you start with very small steps. You have the dog and the black pudding. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And swimming. Black pudding being the bike, the bike rather than the taste of black pudding, which I do also have as well. But thank you, Roy. And hopefully some swimmers invent the base. Absolutely, absolutely. Look, I, mean, I think the, the big thing I take away from this is um, just use the health service. That's what it's there for. We pay for it. It's 75 years old today, day of recording, 5th of July. Um, a lot of ceremonial, you know, um, taking place in that regard. And uh, having both of us been, you know, you in a much more severe context than I, you know, recent, um, uh, what's the word, users of the service, um, you know, it's there, it works. You know, obviously there's going to be stories of it not working and so on, but we should just use it and lean on it and rely on it. And you know, by all our endeavours, we'll make it better. Do you, we, one of the things, one of the themes, though, has been luck. Uh, my next point. And yeah. you know, I mean, you know, call it hands of God, call it what you mm. wish. Mm. But have you got any reflections on on lucky? Because I've given several examples of why I was lucky. Yeah. And you know, we, we have a family member who um, had something different, but but not dis dissimilar. And the the, um, the ambulance took a long time to arrive on the mainland, and his recovery time is slowed because the damage that was done mm. was more extensive. Now, this is that golden hour type it, it, thing. It, it, it is that thing. I don't think it's quite like a stroke, but clearly the quicker you get thinning drugs in, mm -hmm. you can start to manage the process mm -hmm. and buy yourself more time yeah. so it's very much yeah. the same thing so so you know i've counted the ways that i was lucky mm. so you, you glue a series of events together and you suddenly realize you were lucky because one of those events being not what happened could have upset the process that you uh, totally went through, i mean yeah. in, in, in terms of kind of lean theory it's about process failure mm -hmm. so if you think of a series of slices of holy cheese mm -hmm. if one of the holes doesn't align the process fails mm -hmm. and you know, that's what happens in these big disasters where you know oil rigs catch fire it's mm -hmm. usually one thing in a process that is often around the interfaces yes. that actually fails and I was lucky that I hit the sweet spot of a number of yeah, absolutely. all yeah. the processes yeah. handed off perfectly yeah, I have one, one story which is medical um, and, and I was incredibly lucky, which is four years ago, I was going for an insurance policy, which required some medicals to be carried out. A doctor came to the house. One of the things he tested for was urine. There was a bit of blood in the urine. He said, right, you need to go to your own doctor and get this checked out. So they put me through a series of interventions and dare I say bodily invasions in virtually every orifice. No, it was every orifice down below, which was quite traumatic. One of the procedures they put me through, non-invasive, was a CT scan. And the CT scan found nothing wrong with my you know, waterworks and so on, but it did find that my appendix was significantly swollen. Um, long story short, I got accelerated through to the, the bowel surgeon at Frimley Park Hospital in, in, in Surrey. And um, within a few weeks, I had my appendix out and the appendix had basically a cancerous tumour in it that if it had burst, would have spread throughout my internal cavity. So the luck of going for an insurance policy, medical, that they went looking for condition A, didn't find that, but found condition B, 
and it was the eagle eye of the person interpreting the scan results said, no, that's not right. Everything else is fine. That's not right. That needs to be dealt with. So if I hadn't gone to that insurance policy, this would probably have burst at some point unbeknownst to me. So if you believe in fate, these things sometimes do happen for a reason. And I guess one uh, uh, tip would be is if you're not sure, um, do, do get things checked out because sometimes they're not what you think they might be. And early intervention is usually critical in making a difference. Yeah. Well, one final luck story, which brings us back to Isle of Wight, uh, in our personal story, Jane and I, is I was having some... Um, we were in the process of moving, we'd chosen a house, we were moving towards the house com- exchange and there after completion. I was having some, shall we, shall we say, uh, heated moments at my then place of work, um, which resulted in me saying, I probably won't stay there much longer, we need to reconsider the housing choice we're making because we're going to be a money pit, new roofs, insulation, central heating, etc. was required. Um, so we there and then decided we couldn't risk me no longer being employed and going for house A we started looking on the Wednesday we found house B this all happened on the Wednesday found house B and by Saturday evening we had bought house B which meant we had some money in the bank and uh, and so on and we are not happier we couldn't be happier to have been in house B when we think about the way our life would have gone if we'd gone into house A all because of a fundamentally a ruck at work that if I hadn't had that ruck at work we'd be in house A for sure it is colossally lucky you yeah. know we, we found the house that we're in um, by chance um, it wasn't where we were looking it just was one to go and have a look at to get your eye in mm. um, and thoughts you know and, and our, our life I think since has been really good and mm. uh, lo- lots of positive things and thought the lifestyle was healthy but you know back to the um, the consultant's comments it's the previous year so if you're thinking about any of those lifestyle changes the earlier you do it the better do it now yeah, do it today we'll take a break so from the sublime to the ridiculous um, we, we thought it's well overdue for us to um, return to the um, Popmeister element on the podcast. So we have a beverage that my son has provided for us. It has been suitably chilled. So what we would like you to do is to identify the beverage. So the beverage is now open. A very satisfying um, release, I, I think. There. I'm poured myself a small measure. Called Rory a slightly larger one. Actually, at the, at the moment, it re- uh, resembles nothing so much as Alka Seltzer. No, I'm just thinking. I was, my mum used to um, ply us with Disprin yes. when we were children. So I'm now, I'm now on aspirin. Oh, we didn't talk about pills, but for another day. But I'm taking soluble aspirin every day, which reminds me somewhat of this. So it has a. It's a very fresh, fruity. Yes, fresh, fruity bouquet swirling around the glass. Does it taste of anything? Can I be entirely honest? I, I was men- choking. I mentioned, I mentioned that I enjoyed the service of the NHS recently. Yes. So I recently enjoyed, uh, uh, again, an investigative top and tail, which is what they called it, you know, the, the banter in the hospital was, yes. was, was memorable and put you at ease and so on. But basically it was a gastroscopy down the throat yes. and a colonoscopy yes. up the other end. 
And obviously for a colonoscopy, you have to prepare your bowels so that there is no obstructions and nothing in the way of them getting a good view of your, your innards. Um, this particular beverage is, <laughs> is identical in flavor, color, um, experience to drinking the bowel prep. <laughs> <laughs> that is fabulous, and um, it is so not a bowel prep. It's not a difficult one to guess. It, it's um, actually has been somewhat in demand over the the last few months. Um, so please tell us what you think it might be. So what are we going to talk about next? While you enjoy the rest of your beverage, while well, I enjoy the rest of my beverage, Potmeisters, um, <clears throat> I am, um, and, and of course this one provided by a previous winner of the competition. Yes, indeed. Possibly so, um, the only winner. <laughs> indeed. Do do um, spend a bit of time having thinking about some of the clues we might have uh, provided in our introduction there, and just have a wild guess. Let uh, us know. And there is a photograph that will go on Insta in a week or so. Yeah, um, yeah. We won't. We won't draw it out for too much longer we'll, no. we'll, we'll have a bit of fun with it in the meantime um, uh, going from the heavily produced beverage to uh, talking about lifestyle changes and so on we're both avid gardeners and um, part of Tim's healthy lifestyle as he talked about uh, is increasing the intake of fruit vegetables and so on and what better joy is there than growing your own and eating your own produce that you've plucked from the garden tenderly washed cooked prepared um, for yourself and your family to eat um, you know we, we've got raised veg beds that we've built in our garden over in the west west white and um, we're already enjoying a, um, the first fruits of our courgette plants we have three courgette plants and probably more than one per Jane won't eat a courgette but I love them as well. Is that true? Absolutely. What about <laughs> things like cakes? Uh, no. We are being encouraged by others and they're, you're adding yourself to that list for, for us to find a courgette like a carrot cake type recipe. A I courgette think I've probably recipe. got one. Excellent. Yeah. Oh yeah, if you can pick that out that'd be yes. great. Because we will have a glut and you know obviously we will just distribute them to friends. And great on the barbecue. I just love them anyway, um, but particularly just sautéed in butter with a little bit, bit of, of pasta. Oh. I like them with lemon on the barbecue, oh. a little bit of lemon and garlic. Interestingly, digressing as, as we do, um, I saw a recipe, a fake-away recipe for doner kebabs in a slow cooker. And this just seemed so, so bonkers to me. Um, I thought I'd have got to make it. So you, you, you use the best quality lamb mints you can get. Mm -hmm. So island lamb mints. Mm -hmm. But we have um, my eldest son and his wife visiting on Friday. Now, Sam, I know, would be well up for trying a doner kebab cooked in a slow cooker. Mm -hmm. But Louise is not keen on particularly on lamb. So I was trying to work out what I could do as a fake away alternative for somebody who's not particularly keen on most meats. And, of course, a grated... Uh, Courgette slice with a potato peeler yes. would be sort of kebab meat like. Mm, yes, yes, so, yes, so yes. perhaps done on the barbecue. Nice, so. and then compacted together somehow. Well, um, nicely seasoned yeah. with some lemon and garlic, yeah, but it would, would then go in a piece of bread or a roll up yeah, oh, with the yeah. other things that you might have with a kebab. Oh, stunning. Absolutely stunning. I, I'm just taking a moment because courgette is my favourite vegetable on the planet. 
and, and all the things you can add to it to enhance. Is, is that right? Oh, I, did, I, didn't, I didn't know that. So yeah. I think I think it chars brilliantly. Yeah. So barbecuing, it's at one of the go-to ones mm. because you know it's still got that sort of succulent interior. Mm. Mm. It comes in many different forms: round, cylindrical, yellow, green, mm. and so forth. Mm. Yeah, right. yeah, big fans. Uh, stunning, absolutely stunning. So that that's our that's my main joy personally from the garden but we've also been enjoying a lot of radish radish you know you know produce crop very quickly and that lovely peppery hit in the salad that we really enjoy and again you can cut them in different ways to tend to produce little discs for a quick salad but if you shave them in a potato peeler then we've got a long variety that we produce which is nice. very good do you have peas we have peas in we've not produced one yet we've got pods but they're not yet we, um, cropping. We have um, had the first peas this week, and I mean, we've been tending to eat them more like sweets because yes. I think we've grown about ten pods. But, <laughs> but they've, been, they've been ready to ready to eat, and before the birds get them, yeah, you yeah. know, we've only got half a dozen yeah. plants, so you, you and just enjoy them. What does eating a pea straight from the pod? take you back to I could give the game away there right it's the nostalgia isn't it there's an advert I think I bird's eye peas yeah at the moment when the peas pod went thank you yeah, yeah. And that was a live <laughs> sound effect it was and we didn't even practice that <laughs> um, we've had the most things that we've had uh been able to harvest so far this year is potatoes wow. so we put in early's mids and lates mm-hmm. and the earlies are totally ready so we've we've had three or four meals with with potatoes and the difficulty for me has been avoiding putting any butter on them because you know what's nicer than a freshly dug new potato with a little bit of butter on it maybe a bit of lemon yes as opposed to butter and you know good seasoning to be honest they are very good and Mm. um i've I've not been too tempted so yeah if you have if you have something with a little sauce it's it's okay but we sent a picture the other night was it a chicken provencal yes. dish which had the, and that had was been, quite healthy because yeah. that had a lot of vegetables and it was just there was a glass of wine it cooked in and um, it did those beautifully mm. and they helped sometimes they fall to bits a bit easily but they were very good Jane's other success so far this year is uh, baby gem lettuce and uh, she's producing you know, she's got a series of what, what's it called succession sowing so that we're going to have baby gem lettuce throughout the year um, throughout the growing season and they're absolutely delicious and you know, they're forming perfect supermarket quality um, hearts um, they taste so much better if you've done them yourself yeah, absolutely the, the problem the other side with some of those things is you, you can have problems with things eating them of course but I'm sure Jane has a covering regime because yes. we, we next door gave us some cabbages over the back wall which have gone in and are growing brilliantly but just can keep having to start again because they've been eaten yeah, by, by the cabbage by moss, the, sl- yeah. the, the slugs and the moss. slugs yes yeah, indeed Ella's got strawberries in which are multiplying and next year I think we're going to have a bumper crop we've got a few this year mm. but it's you know we bought three plants which is now about ten mm. plants because mm. they kind of replicate themselves mm. We should probably get some aerial photos of our respective veg plots because I'm sure there's plenty of interest out there in podcast land. It's to raised bed well, envy. Absolutely. I mean, we both have raised beds. Your, yours are slightly more rugged and industrial looking in terms of the thickness of the wood you, you utilise. I use slightly more... Uh, soft southerner planed wood well, yours are more artistic you've got an artist in the family whereas ours was built by the man who worked on Stonehenge 
So our, our, I must have told you this before. <laughs> no. our, so we've got a builder called Ray, and he we first met him when we needed emergency remedial action to a fence because, as we've said already, it gets quite windy mm-hmm. here. And um, so Ray's solution to most problems is a four-inch square concrete post that he pile drives into the earth halfway to the Earth's core and he says well, that will sort it and of course the post will be left and everything else will be desolate but the post will still be there <laughs> and he's done a few things for us and it's all on the muscular side of building rather than pure aesthetics yeah. but you know, the patio is nice yeah, but they're, they're, they're thick heavy slabs yeah, we're, we're, we're um, sat on an and he, did, he, did, he, he knew we wanted the beds so he said oh, I've got you some railway sleepers so. yeah. Yeah, they're not the kind of effete small ones they're like the 2.8 big boys <laughs> <laughs> main line sleepers. <laughs> so Ella was a bit aghast because I think she had in mind something somewhat smaller. But Ray is not a man to tinker. So no, I, as I say, look, we think he was they look thoroughly impressive. And what's important about these is what they produce. And I think twofold. Again, two messages. You know, in terms of the, the theme of this this kind of very special um, podcast edition is. The joy of growing your own is a well-being issue. It's mental health. You know, you're you're working the land. You're 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 outdoors. You're outdoors. You're getting fresh air. You're you're producing things essentially from nothing, from from scratch, and that that's just you know really you know, warms the cockles of your in inverted commas heart. But the second benefit and the second thing to comment on is the fact that it's the stuff you should be eating. You know, good salad, healthy salad freshly picked so none of the nutrients are seeping out invisibly in the fridge as you wait you know you shop on a Saturday uh, and, and you consume the following Thursday you know you cut it on a Monday afternoon and you eat it on a Monday evening you do mm-hmm. you also can grow you're talking about courgettes so it's actually quite easy to buy heritage seeds and foreign seeds and so forth mm-hmm. so if you want to buy varieties that are not available in the shops mm. it's a very easy way to do yeah, that yeah. so courgettes being an example there's loads of yeah. really good italian ones absolutely yeah 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 stunning so um eating well being outdoors we live on an island you're recovering from a heart attack um how are you finding opportunities to get out in the wild outdoors and it's safely Yes, so so there's there's a six-week recovery program on exercise. So the first two weeks, really, is very limited walking. Um, The first week, you do five minutes twice a day. Now, I've probably pushed it a little bit, just progressed it, so I probably may have done ten minutes rather than five. Did you report this back to the the medics? (laughs) Well, uh, they phoned from the hospital to make the first kind of check-in appointment and so they, they do ask how it's going so I and I suggested that I was stretching it a little bit and the line went quiet and um, <laughs> so you, you might want to wait until you've seen the physio before you but you know my I've tried to go routes where there's plenty of sitting down opportunities mm-hmm. I've not pushed it much mm-hmm. um, and I've kind of listened so if, if I've I haven't felt breathless but you know if I felt light-headed I would stop and I've taken it easy so mm-hmm. I think I think I'm in the safe zone um, lots of medication as well but that's for another day but so I think where Ella goes out on a dog walk I'll go with her so you don't get stir crazy so if she goes to Yavalan say one of our favorite dog beaches in the, in the summer she'll do the long walk down to the cliffs but I'll 
do a lap of the car park and then sit with a book on the seat or um, sit in the car, or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. So now that the family are with us, you know, they can yeah. take a bit of that strain. Yeah. So I think I, I came with you, and I mean, where this leads into, we had a lovely few hours, and I know you had a few hours before that, watching the Round the Island Yacht Race, yeah. which is a by description, an annual event mm-hmm. where I think it was 1,100 yachts yes. line up in cows, and there's little staggering, but not too much. It's by classes, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But but by, by the time they've got a few hundred yards, they're all mixed in together yeah. anyway, and they they race around the white and. Uh, one, I think there was one that won by, I think did it in about four hours, which is probably faster than you can drive it, <laughs> which, you know, was a bit like a, I don't know, like a tank just sort of yeah, ploughing yeah, through yeah, the sea. Yeah, yeah. So certainly on a day like today when I drove from west to east, got stuck behind every possible um, uh, uh, you know, r- road-based obstruction uh, that man could conceive when I was on a kind of a relatively tight time scale to go over here to Tim's man cave you know, to record this episode of the podcast. But um, it was a great day. We we um, managed to get down to Colwell Bay to the captain's cabin. Pitched a double header. Captain, we did. Yes. Managed to include a little breakfast, uh, I thought. A cheeky little cooked breakfast, which um, those of you on the Instagram account will have seen pictures of that. And and we got to the um, cafe as the first boats were rounding for Albert. That's um, timing. From Fort Victoria. I mean, perfect time. It could not have been better organised um, by a film production crew or something. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yes, uh, Tim is just topping up my bowel prep <laughs> drink. We could market it under an alternative <laughs> name, clearly. <laughs> and um, uh, so enjoyed, enjoyed breakfast, a nice good breakfast. Jane had a crispy bacon in a bap. And um, we we've made this an annual attempt on our part to then get in our car get round to Ventnor to on a quieter day on a less windy day try and get to Ventnor as the same boats you know are reaching Ventnor Bay um, because of the very strong winds on Saturday the southwesterlies were up which makes for a beautiful sight as the the, the fleet comes up from St Catherine's Point towards Ventnor and Danos um, you see these colourful spinnakers up catching the southwesterly to, to speed them on their way and um, I think we probably arrived a third of the way through yeah, I, I would say so yeah. we'd been down there maybe an hour yeah, yeah. so we, we drove Ella dropped me I sat in my chair and observed actually had one around the beach as well but it was it was a lovely couple of hours fantastic little picnic yeah. so yeah. Yeah, back to your original question about me getting out yeah. so able to do things like that where you know you can be dropped off yeah. have a little walk have a, have a sit down and a rest um, but do something that's fun and gets you out and yeah. I, I, I know from my um brother-in-law who's had something similar they've almost sort of withdrawn a little bit and I, I think getting out and integrating and doing things where you can appear normal is, yeah. is kind of really important yeah but the um the race is just great fun it and I'd recommend if anyone's over here to get a chance go and find a good vantage point where you're perhaps in a bar or where you're in near a cafe yeah. and a terrific way to spend and probably for the whole procession to go past you it's certainly several hours oh absolutely yeah, three, yeah. two three hours well, four. I, I think with the wind the wind we had it was probably quicker I think by the time we left Ventsner you left ahead of us we went for a coffee in the Met bar and had a, a very enjoyable uh, shout out for the Met well I had a beer Jane had a coffee and cake, and um, yeah, the Met's a lovely, you know, back under stewardship of people who've had experience in the spyglass. And, yes. And um, 
uh, who used to run the Met before it's uh, a few years of a hiatus, I would say, but it's back to you know, on top form, I would, I would also add. Um, by the time we left Ventnor, we think we'd pretty much seen the last boat. So we saw the first boat in Colwell, and we saw the last boat in Ventnor, which was kind of a nice bookend to the day. But we also decided that because we'd had such a busy day that we didn't want to go home and cook something. So we decided to try another West White new um, innovation, which is a, a wood-fired stone-baked pizza which is out of a caravan it's called gusto to go and they park in a, a little car park just up from freshwater bay behind the albion hotel which is being refurbished into the south coast's best boutique destination hotel um open this time next year and um, he's being paid <laughs> it does sound like it Ooh, we're looking for sponsorship opportunities yes, all the time Tim. um but this this is a a, a a crumbly old car park at the moment and they've parked this caravan and there's a couple of lads in there that have got the best banter a very simple menu of nine inch pizzas and we probably had to wait in a queue of about seven or eight pizzas ahead of us um uh we both ordered what we wanted and they were ready i would say 15 minutes so we went for a little walk along freshwater bay um the tavern the bar in a coach there's a double-decker bus that sits in freshwater yep. bay and they open that up and there's a bar um beers wine spirits whatever you want and there was live music playing as well i mean th th that i guess is what occurs to me first is that it's a perfect place to have a really good quality pizza yeah. to go and sit out so you know there's yeah. there's there's car parks on the way up this a lot right. along yeah. the military road there's beach you can walk along yeah. and as you say there's there's some beer opportunities yeah. 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 in the proximity so so on, very good that was a saturday and we really enjoyed those pizzas and the the gusto to go caravan is an offshoot from um, a freshwater staple they have a store in freshwater village called fuoco pizza i'm not sure if i pronounced that you have to correctly. say that quite carefully fuoco which is uh italian for five this sounds like vic reeves it does Kidana. <laughs> that's thunderbirds uh -huh. um was it umami Yes. What, what did they do? They had something where they were stroking his. Um, they had the dove from above. Thighs. Yes. I think umami's isn't isn't that like um, the mushroomy taste? Seasoning. Yes, yes. 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 There's something I can picture Vic Reeves stroking his thighs in front of the attractive guest, um, uttering this phrase, but I forget what it is now. But uh, yeah, I thought it was Kirano, but that's that's the um, the waiter in on Tracy's Island, Tracy Island. Oh. Thunderbird reference. Yes. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, there's two sound effects coming now. <laughs> do, you, do you think we should just dwell a moment on, on full English cooked breakfasts? Well, let me oh. just finish the pizza story. But oh, saying, yeah, finish the pizza uh, story. This is a follow-up, isn't it? Health and well-being, yes. all your own, get out in the fresh air. Eat a pizza. Have a cooked breakfast in the morning and a pizza in the evening. <laughs> um, Sunday, we spent the whole day in our front garden um, really tarting up our front physical garden. Physical labour hard physical graft labor trip to the dump um got archaeology done in the front garden a lot of bindweed removed a lot of strimming a lot of lawn mowing a lot of digging out overgrown grass and so on weeding borders really successful day by the end of the day we were absolutely jiggered what did we decide to do pizza we had a pizza but we went to the store in the village uh, the fuoco pizza store which in our opinion produced the best pizzas on planet earth 
So they cook them on the premises. They cook them on the premises. They, they cook them in the caravan. Okay. Uh, there's a stone yeah, yeah. dome built into the caravan, and they have a bigger stone dome in the uh, pizza oven in, in the store. And they do um, seven-inch pizzas, small, or twelve-inch pizzas, large, in the store. So, and a slightly broader range of, of toppings and so on. Absolutely stunning. So. By the end of the weekend, I'd put on about four pounds. Um, so muscle mass, though. Listeners, don't listen to your uncle Rory. Listen to your uncle Tim. It's muscle mass, it, and as I once stupidly said in an internet conversation, of course, muscle weighs more than fat. <laughs> Which I think is true. No, I, I don't think, think it is. And, and my forty lengths at the pool three times a week is probably producing a substantial amount of muscle that no pizza will break down. Favorite pizza topping? Um, garlic butter, spinach, mozzarella cheese, and pine nuts. It's called a Nuova Vita, and I am... That is interesting. Stunning. What does Jane like? Uh, terra el Capra, which is goat's cheese. Okay. Um, beetroot, rocket, and balsamic dressing. Matt's favourite. We were in... Um the London Kitchen momentarily this morning in Ventnor mm-hmm. and there was something on the board called I think it was a purple monster these were paninis and baguettes and I said what is a purple monster and they said goat's cheese and beetroot yeah. oh Jane will be yeah, when Jane hears this on Saturday morning she will be heading not, not cheap but um, yeah. the things that we bought were out they had cakes and for, for later on and they were outstanding you always get what you pay for them I think don't you, you? I, I think yeah. you probably do yeah 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 Top value, top value. So I, I finished my story with pizzas. You were you were trying to. Bring I think it's definitely somewhere to try. I like seafood. Yeah. I like things like squid and prawns and mussels. So I, I don't know whether they have a a variant with fish on it. And it, it often they call nowadays with the su- the marinara subs, but they haven't got any fish in them. So yes, yeah. I'm a bit cautious with what yes. things are called. But um, we saw on social media a post from the Spyglass Inn of their seafood platter. I saw it. Stunning. I mean, it, it looked like a dead weight plate, but it was full of... So once upon seafood. a time, there was a photograph, um, which perhaps I'll share, of me having the version of it when they used to get half a lobster. So this was in different economic times. It was your birthday. It was. I've got, I have a photo. Yeah. Ella, Ella found yeah, it and sent that. it to yeah. me. We were there with you that night. I, I think, think yeah. you were. Yeah. And... Um, it, it was good. Is that called the Admiral's Platter? I think so. I think so. Um, I don't. Th- I don't think they do it now because I think the price has just become unreasonable. And supply can be variable well, as well. Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. What was interesting though was that um, the company who run the restaurant on Bembridge Harbour yeah. posted their version, which was the lobster version and everything else, and probably is priced. Co- I think it was like seventy-five pounds. But it was in, it was um, the next step up. Yeah. But they op- only open yeah. very occasionally, yeah. and it's impossible to get a table and so well, forth. Well, you know we have a podcast bromance, Tim, don't you? So my wife has told me. Yeah, I think if we can't persuade our wives on this one, we need to go ourselves to the hut at Colwell and have the surf and turf. Okay. Which is 120 pounds for two, <laughs> but it's it's um, maybe in due course because it's it's lobster, it's. Um, steak. Uh, it is other manner of crustaceans that dress the dish and bone marrow where you get a long you know half a bone half a bone each I think um, and, and fries. Um, we should do it. So it's a very decadent thing. Could possibly it, be the last thing we ever do but we, 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 <laughs> should, we, should, we should do it. I, I don't know 
Jane, Jane likes it, so we just need to need to work on Ella. <laughs> Jane, yeah, Jane wouldn't eat that. But she no, would, no, no, she no. She have, likes other things on the she menu. Would have, she would have something else on the menu. Lots of that, fish yeah, and but, so uh, She would enjoy us enjoying it, I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> I won't wait for that photo. Should we take a final break? <laughs> Let's take a final break, and then we'll uh, we'll leave these good people to the rest of their day, or to sleep the rest of their night away. So we're drawing towards a close today. Um, We've got a number of interviews in the can, as they say. Today has kind of got away with us time-wise. I think we've had a special episode because we had a special subject to cover, which we think was, you know, important to you and Ella and and the kids, but also important to us as friends. And I think some strong messages to share with podcast land as well. Yeah, it's kind of cathartic to to talk through it and, yeah. start to think a little bit about some of the lessons learned so thank you for bearing with us for that but we've got some hopefully some good interviews to come uh, one with drew's brews from firestone cops which will probably be next time um and one of the things that i, I, I was thinking of during my time lying on a hospital bed was wondering about uh, the magic pixie dust question and those who've known and worked with me for a while know that I sometimes ask a variant of it in, in job interviews and this is you know if, if you if you had your time again if you had one, one thing you could w- wish for what would you wish for so Rory any, any thoughts about what you would um, ask for it's a tricky one um, because this, this is kind of also akin to the um, yeah, I just want to win the lottery, kind of wish, because all my problems will be solved if I win the lottery. Um, I, I'm, I'm also, which is not really what I would wish for, of course, but it's one of the things that comes to the front of your mind very quickly, because money is the answer to all our problems, yeah. which of course it isn't. And I'm then reminded of another question which has been going around on the internet, which is related to this. Would you want to go back to age 16 I think it is or is it age 25 or would you want to go ahead assuming your your age is relative to the age 60 but have 30 million pounds would you rather go back in time to have your life again with effectively no more money than you would have ordinarily or do you want to go ahead in time so you've got less life left to live but you've got 30 million pounds in the bank and I don't have an answer to that. Actually, I no, no, I do. I do have an answer to that, and it would be to go back in time and do it all over again. This is that reminds me of my eldest son Sam, who's got a question about. Um, I think I probably get this wrong, Sam, so I apologise. But it's: Would you rather fight one cow-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized cows? <laughs> it makes me think. Actually, when I was originally asked the question, I thought of a Gary Larson cartoon, which is um, the picture of this cowboy walking down the street with a, a chicken or a turkey that's the same size as him, and it said um, Hank was beginning to uh, feel that he'd made the wrong first choice in the wish competition. <laughs> I'm suddenly thinking that we're both sounding like Rishi Sunak answering or not answering questions at the liaison committee uh, yesterday. Subject is grilling or shredding as it's been referred to by Chris Bryant. But to answer your question, what would be my one wish? I think it would be to go back and enjoy it all over again. To go back in time. Yeah. Uh, and I wouldn't change much of what has happened since let's say I went back to age 25 which would be pre-children 
post-marriage, um, I would do all the same things again largely, but perhaps some of the micro things I would manage better. The macro things, happily to, to take where I am today, but the opportunity to do some of the little things better. There's a bit of the twitch of the butterfly's wing thing about this though, because it's a bit like timey-wimey stuff in Doctor Who. If you go back and change little things, they may have an impact on the big things. Chaos theory. So, you know, yeah, if yeah, you yeah. hadn't gone to that... I'm making this up. If you hadn't gone to that disco, you might not have met Jane. Mm. You know, so something that's tiny. Or if you hadn't mm. bought that red T-shirt that first caught her eye. You know, changing little things... It was my hands, actually, Tim. It was my hands. So I've heard. But that's enough of the bromance. I think, for me, like I get the last word, for me, my biggest wish is that I'm... We're both here to do um, the next podcast, episode 12, in, in a couple of weeks' time. So it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from him. That was Quite Like, a podcast presented by Rory Forbes and Tim Depp.